I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female, where every week I speak with women changemakers who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and behind it, a reality that affects women first and foremost, directly and indirectly. That's why I'm proud to share I've partnered with Rethink Breast Cancer for a special series on the Brennis Female podcast today and in coming weeks. Rethink Breast Cancer aims to empower, educate, and support all young people impacted by breast cancer. I'm honored to take this opportunity to join them and discuss and rethink the narrative around breast cancer in today's world. As part of this series, you'll meet women who are making a difference as leading changemakers in the community. Everyone on the Rethink Breast Cancer team is focused on offering relevant and accessible spaces for the new generation of young people affected by breast cancer. And I'm happy we can share their knowledge on this platform. Visit RethinkBreastCancer.com this Breast Cancer Awareness Month and beyond. Here is my conversation with the founder of Rethink, MJ Dakota. MJ, it's a pleasure having you on The Brand is Female today. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. I am so happy to be here and chat with you. And I, I mean, we always start these conversations by going back in time. And I'm curious to know in your case, and this probably would have been hard to predict as a, as a young woman, but did you ever think you'd be working and kind of making a difference uh, in a field related to health and possibly related to breast cancer awareness specifically, or were you kind of envisioning a completely different future for yourself? I envisioned quite a different future. I don't know how far back in time you want to go. Like childhood, you know, I had dreams of um, owning a figure skating boutique. I was a competitive figure skater. And I remember putting that in our grade eight time capsule. You had to say, you know, what you thought you'd be doing. And I thought I would be owning a figure skating boutique, maybe designing skating costumes. Um, So I definitely (laughs) didn't end up doing that. And, you know, then I pursued, I was an English major and I, I thought I'd be an English professor um, at one point. Um, I also always loved magazines. I collected uh, many, many fashion magazines starting in my teenage years. And I also, you know, that was in the back of my head too. Maybe I could work for a cool magazine. So yeah, did not expect to be running a breast cancer organization. <laughs> <laughs> well, and let's talk about what got you there. And I'm also curious to know, you know, prior to founding, and there is, you know, a personal story, I think that really inspired uh, the work you, you do today and inspired your, your intention with creating uh, Rethink Breast Cancer. But I'm curious to know what was your path in getting you there? And then I do want to hear about that personal story that started it all, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can start with sort of the path. I It's hard to talk about the path because without mentioning the personal, because it started with the personal. Mm-hmm. But um, we, you know, I moved to Toronto. Uh, this, I think this speaks to my personality. I grew up in Saskatoon. I had spent some time in Toronto. Then I was back in Saskatoon to do my master's. And I did one on, I mentioned I was an English major, Mm -hmm. literary and cultural studies thesis, uh, very much, you know, postmodern. It was, uh, you know, very esoteric. And I, as much as I loved 
um, loved academia in certain respects. I knew, you know, I, I didn't want to do it forever. So I did have this, you know, interest in magazines. And I did have a communications professor who once told me, you know, to be a journalist, you really need to be a good writer, you need to read a lot and write a lot. So mm -hmm. he was sort of, I was filling him out on journalism school. And he was like, mm, just just keep doing what you're doing. Long story short, I, um, after grad school, I ended up applying to Toronto Life magazine for their three-month unpaid internship program. <laughs> there was a little bit of a stipend. Um, and I was actually wrote a passionate letter. And I thought, oh, are they going to take someone from Saskatoon like to, to you know, go work at Toronto Life magazine? Uh, but I got the interview. And they I did. Got the, yeah. I got the uh, <laughs> internship, which was super exciting. And we moved, me and my husband, we had just been married uh, not that long we moved to Toronto based on me getting a three-month unpaid internship at Toronto Life magazine. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, he had been, you know, did his degree, but was working, uh, booking live music at a, like a live entertainment club, a really cool club. And he was interested in the music industry and there's nothing, you know, opportunities in Toronto that he wouldn't have in Saskatoon. So that was part of it too. But, um, you know, it was funny because my dad was like, his attitude was like, they'll take the city by storm. Uh, of course, they should do this. And I think my um, husband's family was really like, what are they doing? Like, what, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> so during that three month unpaid internship was back in the day where, you know, really, we were um, a glorified fact checker, and, you know, doing some research. And I remember going into the interview, the, the computer room that the interns got to share and we would, you know, use dial-up internet and it was uh, pretty crazy. And somehow I wrangled, I made some relationships with some of the junior editors and ended up being assigned um, after the inter internship was over to go cover parties and, you know, covering the Toronto events and going out with a photographer and just, you know, seeing things like fashion cares and feeling like, wow, these events are, look at this, this is so cool. And, um, you know, I did have the personal breast cancer came into my life um, and I had been personally affected in our family and I wanted to get involved in the cause and I wanted to do things and I wanted to raise money. And it just seemed like the materials, the information, the way everything was being packaged, or I guess not even packaged, it was um, the, the opportunities that were available at that time for breast cancer, going to a breast cancer event, it was more like, an afternoon tea with fashion mm. shows with women over 60 or right. speeches, um, maybe the sit down gala dinner. And as a young person who had been, you know, out seeing bands and out attending events and just, uh, it felt like a disconnect. And I, when I, it was actually when I saw Fashion Cares, I was like, wow, like, you know, there's a way to get important messages out that are like bold and powerful and can be a little bit, you know, breakthrough. So mm -hmm. this really started as a volunteer throwing events with young people, like, so finding a great DJ in a cool club. And, um, you know, because we were young, and we were putting together young events, like it was young people putting the events together. I think they had a more youthful, relevant to younger audience approach. And that was really um, my first foray into fundraising. And, and we were just directing the, the funds to another breast cancer organization. And then right. I slowly got involved, yeah. And let's talk about how Rethink was born. And here we actually have to mention a, fr a friend that we have in common, Alison Gordon, <laughs> yes. who was your yeah. co-founder. So I want to know how yeah. you got from, you know, uh, hosting these events and fundraising for other organizations and saying, okay, I'm going to take the jump and create something because we all know it's extremely difficult 
to do fundraising. And I would think that, especially in the cancer category, there, you know, there's a lot of worthy organizations that all that do great work. Um, mm-hmm. So curious to know, you know, what made you want to take that leap and make it yeah. all happen? The origin story. Yeah, it was interesting. So I had been doing fundraising uh, for a few years for directing the funds to a breast cancer organization. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that was my volunteer work, but it just started taking over more and more of my time and energy and thought process, like just using up my headspace. And I just had so many ideas um, that that organization ended up recruiting me to their staff. Ooh. And I worked for them for a couple of years. Um, now, this was not the big breast cancer charity, but they had a name that sounded like a big institutional charity. So I I reached out to them and I kind of thought, oh, um, you know, I want to do something. I can write. I can I can fundraise. And they told me, well, we don't have anyone running. Uh, like, we don't have anyone else in Toronto. I was like, what? Like, that's kind of confusing because I, I saw all the things like Run for the Cure. And then I learned, okay, this was a, actually a small grassroots organization um, doing great things, raising funds for breast cancer research, right. mostly in London, like London Regional Cancer Center. Mm. They loved me. I had some good conversations and I ended up starting the Toronto chapter. And uh, again, no experience like running things or running committees <laughs> or anything like that. So that was kind of interesting. And I did that. And I just started to see an opportunity. Again, I think it's because I had so many young people um, helping with my events. It was all my friends, like friends who are working at agencies, friends who are working in PR and marketing, music biz, commercial television production, uh, that kind of thing. And I just felt like um, we were creating a real movement for young people and the organization itself was was not as focused on that. So there was, um, they were excited about what I was doing, but there was just sort of this interesting kind of thing happening with me in Toronto and young people. And I ended up feeling like, okay, I love this grassroots organization. I'd love to um, help. Like, I, not that I was a marketing person, but, you know, I just felt like I got resources. I got friends working at agencies. Like, what if we did a new logo or we, you know, uh, anyways, I ended up um, writing a passionate letter. I, I had heard about um, two females running a startup agency called Zig, and their names were Elspeth Lynn and Lorraine Tao. And I saw them on the cover of Report on Business Magazine kind of by chance. And it was a really cool photograph of them. I read their story and I was like, wow, a female creative team like mm-hmm. putting out this great, great work, great television spots. Um, I wonder if they could help me. I wonder if they would love to do a spot that was focused on getting young people um, breast aware. Mm. So I wrote a passionate letter. I left a long, passionate voicemail. And um, I had actually by chance met Sarah Crawford, who was at the time the head of public affairs at CHUM. So kind of at the same time as meeting with Elspeth and Lorraine, I had been um, cultivating this relationship with Chum and telling them about my vision and wanting to get young people really engaged and young women in particular engaged in their breast health. And anyways, long story short, Zig met me and loved me. It was hilarious because I had never done a meeting like that and coming, being an English major, like you're just not used to how to operate. So I had my team flow suit. I went in with my little black team flow suit and I I pitched (laughs) them. I remember team flow. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they just, they just wanted to listen to me and and hear about my personal story and really realize that, you know, I I had a simple idea, like young, young people weren't aware of the breast cancer cause, young Mm -hmm. people weren't engaged, young women 
weren't, you know, aware of their breast health and they loved it. They assigned, they said, we're going to do something with you. We want to, we want to help. And they assigned a young strategic planner, um, Alison Gordon. So she, mm-hmm. um, she was young and just, you know, they said, I think Alison would be the perfect person to meet with you. We were around the same age. We had both, you know, been kind of like dropouts of academia. We both had like ideas. And I remember going for a coffee with Alison and spending, you know, we spent like two or two or more hours just talking at the chapters um, that used to be at uh, Richmond and John Street Mm -hmm. and had this great meeting. It led to a really powerful PSA that was targeting young young people. So um, the response was so interesting and, you know, in some ways it was polarizing because it used humor to try to engage people in the cause, Mm -hmm. um, which was kind of, new and and different and groundbreaking in its day but it was done with such um careful thought given to casting and editing and and just you know really really well done and um the response was so overwhelming and this was pre-social media when things didn't go viral it it kind of went the equivalent of viral back in the day the story had legs we were doing interviews you know a month later um that was my moment where i thought you know what uh this is kind of telling me that there's a need for an organization that's truly focused on young people mm-hmm. and um, doing things differently and creating, taking the great information that, that's out there and making it relevant for a younger audience. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm kind of telling the, even though I'm <laughs> rambling, I'm telling the short story, if you can believe it or not. Um, I ended up, you know, deciding to start Rethink Breast Cancer. And Allison was one of the people I recruited to the board of directors. Mm. So I had um, Allison and some other incredible people that were really, you know, recruited as the founding board. And we were meeting and we decided, let's get this organization off the ground. And, you know, what would that look like? What would that be? And so for the first year, I was working off my dining room table <laughs> and was really, really pouring my my energy into this organization and kind of working night and day. And right. it was pretty crazy um, because we were very entrepreneurial in our own way. We had approached um, the Council of Fashion Designers in the United States to bring, um, you know, we were barely a minute old and I had reached out and, and wanted to bring this huge campaign called Fashion Targets Breast Cancer to Canada. Um, it really was what I loved about it. It was bold. It wasn't pink. It was blue. Mm, yeah. It was this target. We're going to target our breast health and um, kind of, again, had a great phone call with them and, you know, had worked some relationships, had fashion magazine, knew the director of marketing there, got her excited about it. She helped us get Holtz on board. She was on our founding board as well. And so we had all these balls in the air. We didn't have our charitable status yet. We were recruiting, you know, we needed our medical committee. We had all this stuff on the go. We were convinced Holt Renfrew to help us launch this campaign. Everything was happening at once. It was a very, very, very intense year, Um, but it went really, really well. And through that campaign, we kind of had enough funds raised uh, where, you know, I'd literally been working night and day off this dining room table in Mm -hmm. a little one bedroom apartment. My husband was like, oh, my God, you're sitting there again. Like It was just (laughs) kind of crazy. So in comes Allison, like from our board of directors. And she, you know, everyone was super helpful, but she was kind of my go to like constantly on the phone. You know, she was working full time at SIG. But, you know, really her volunteer work with Rethink, I think, was 
taking over more and more, more and more space. So, mm. you know, after that campaign and the success and having, um, you know, suddenly some funds raised, uh, we made the decision to, you know, she, it was clear I needed, I needed someone else. Like I needed some support and I thought, I don't need, you know, an admin assistant. I don't need a donor records clerk to do that. Right. I need someone who can really, you know, be my co-pilot in this and getting, getting this further off the ground. We're seeing opportunities. And so she made the decision to leave SIG and join me. And, um, I swear to God, it was like this enormous weight lifted off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. Um, even though she'd been so helpful, you know, as a volunteer on the board, just having someone else on the team, um, just like huge, huge, right. huge, huge. So we shared an office for 13 years. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that That's when you know you found the right business partner. If you can work yeah. in, a, in an enclosed space with them, it's, it's yeah. a good match. Um, yeah. And I'm curious, how, I'm, you know, it, it's very interesting that you kind of targeted, um, well, there, you know, there's two things here. I think young women, it seemed at that time when you, when you first launched Rethink, were not as aware of the risks, you know, uh, of breast cancer for, you know, our age group or younger women, which seems like, you know, there was really a mess on from, you know, from the health community and from existing organizations uh, that, that do raise awareness for breast cancer. And at the same time, there was also a gap in uh, the potential targets for raising funds, you know, to support breast cancer uh, and, and raising awareness at the same time. Right? And it feels like a lot of charity organizations in a health sector often target an older demographic. And obviously, often it's a demographic that's going to have a little bit more, you know, disposable funds or funds that they can put towards, uh, you know, uh, supporting different charities. But, you know, it seems like there's there's a missed opportunity here. And it sounds like you did target them for both those reasons. But I'm curious to know, um, you know, what you noticed at that time and also how how this reality has evolved over time. Well, it's been really interesting because, you know, the reason I wanted to get involved with the breast cancer cause, you know, it, it's mostly women over 50 who are diagnosed mm -hmm. with breast cancer. Yeah. So my grandmother was diagnosed when she was, you know, mid to late 60s. My mom was diagnosed when she was 48, which mm -hmm. now I know that's very young. Right. <laughs> At the time I was 18, um, but 48. And she unfortunately passed away when she was 54. Just I'm before. sorry. Yeah, thank you. And you know, it really started from that fundraising and awareness of education, like what are my risk factors? So I wanted to support the cause. I wanted to do it in a way that was re more relevant to the, the things I was interested in. I, yeah. I would pick up the breast cancer pamphlets and, you know, because I felt like, okay, grandmother had this, mom died of it. I, I got to get, I, I should be like more informed. Right. And I felt like I would pick up those pamphlets and they would have you know, an older woman on the cover, <laughs> because that was the prime audience yeah. of who's getting breast cancer. So in a way, it made sense. Mm -hmm. um, but I would look at them and I would just kind of like eh, shove it in a drawer, maybe it would get recycled. It just wasn't anything mm -hmm. that I was taking action on. And um, same with the fundraising things, angel pins, comfort hearts, pink teddy bears, uh, things that were very kind of, I don't know, just not not interesting to me. And right. I just felt like, 
there's got to be some diversity within this movement, this breast cancer cause where um, not everything has to look the same or feel the same. And then again, the information piece, like how can we take this great information and make it less scary and more relevant for young women? So it really started with an education and awareness movement for young people, giving them an opportunity to fundraise. What we did not expect to happen, which happened very quickly, was young women with breast cancer reaching out to us. Mm. Um, because the, the vision was, let's get young people raising funds, let's donate the funds to you know young, innovative researchers, help them get their careers off the ground. And you know yes, we can take these breast cancer pamphlets and shower cards that look like, you know, something your grandmother would want. And mm -hmm. let's take that information and make it more relevant. So that was the original idea for Rethink Breast Cancer. What happens, as I said, suddenly young women with breast cancer reaching out. And I think they saw the youthful approach and, the, and felt like, oh, wow, like, who are you? What is this? This looks more like my life, mm -hmm. <laughs> or this looks more like something I want to know about. And I felt like, oh, wow, like the needs of a cancer patient are so complex. We're like two people at, and then vol volunteers, like what can we do? And I felt like, okay, the hospitals have support programs. The hospitals have information. Um, we can't, we don't have the bandwidth and the resources to really uh, toggle that. Mm -hmm. However, I've always believed in connecting and connecting with people. And we would take those coffees and you start to hear the gaps in care. You hear about, well, it took me so long to get diagnosed. I was told I was too young for breast cancer. Just keep an eye on it. Then I finally got diagnosed and you'd hear about the impacts on dating and sexuality and career. And I was on contract. I didn't have benefits and now I'm not being hired back and um, early menopause and fertility issues and trying to raise a young family. And the more stories we heard, we started to see and, and kind of hear similarities and often it was the isolation that was really brought up. So just feeling like nothing really fit in terms of what I was being offered at the hospital. I'd be given a great big bag or binder full of information, but it wasn't um, edited or tailored for specifically for my needs or for my needs as a young woman. Mm -hmm. And so kind of trying to sift through that and find what, what was relevant was a lot of work and, and just feeling like... Um, my own friends want to be supportive, but they don't really, they can't really understand what I'm going through. The other breast cancer patients, like they do understand the treatment process, but I can get some support, but you know, they're my mom's age or my grandmother's <laughs> age and they're not, not quite at the same life stage. So mm -hmm. we just kept hearing about this and mm -hmm. felt like that was like our first evolution of what can we do? How can we help? And some opportunities initially came about through some partnerships with other organizations. And then we suddenly found ourselves getting more and more. The more you listen to women in the community, the more you, you know, it's just more and more opportunity to try to address those unmet needs. And so we shifted um, our mission to include providing psychosocial support for young women with breast cancer, building community and um, that was our first big shift. And then as you listen, as you build that community, um, you hear the unmet needs that, that just continue. It feels like they're endless sometimes. Um, but we, you know, that's where we started to hear about some things that seem like system change opportunities. And we did evolve in and get more involved in advocacy, particularly for metastatic breast cancer. So that's mm -hmm. something like, yeah. you know, we launched with this fun fashion targets breast cancer and you know let's get young women educated and 
fun, cool events and, you know, branding a cause. We were on the cover of, of Marketing Magazine within a couple of years of mm. launching. And that was that was fun and exciting. And, you know, then you build the community and you're hearing about, you know, the traumas and you start to build a community that's riddled with loss because breast cancer is more aggressive in young women with breast cancer. So it's uh, it was just, you know, has always been heartbreaking to meet women in the prime of their lives who are, you know, dying of, of breast cancer. You know, they have of their course. breast cancer, mm -hmm. they go through their treatment and then it comes back and that's an untold story. So yeah. we've really tried to raise awareness, um, you know, as much as we want to be bold and positive and upbeat, uh, the complexity of this disease, the impact on people's lives mm -hmm. is just incredible. And so, um, we started to really talk more about stage four. Stage four needs more metastatic, really amplifying the voices of our community in that regard mm -hmm. and creating wonderful resources and, and really trying to tackle advocacy issues around increasing access to treatment. So as we go through these evolutions, you know, we always continue to support women with early breast cancer and make sure they feel seen and heard and understood. And then it becomes about the metastatic community and wanting to make sure they're seen and heard and not just lumped in or feeling invisible within the broader breast cancer um, space. Right. And what we've learned is the benefit for everybody when, when, when people aren't siloed and, you know, sometimes there's a need where, you know, the metastatic community really needs to talk about issues that are directly affecting metastatic patients. Right. But we don't, you know, we think there's benefit for everyone in the community to understand each other's experience and understand their needs. So the old way of thinking would have been, oh, well, we're running this support group. We've got young women with breast cancer. We can't have anyone metastatic because that's going to scare someone who's newly diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've learned how to navigate those complexities and learning how to bring people together uh, where possible and, and really everyone benefits. Right. You know? it, it's been really amazing. Now in their 20th year, Rethink Breast Cancer continues to re-examine and challenge the reality of breast cancer in our world through the lenses of equity, social and environmental justice, as well as gender diversity. I want to thank them for their support of today's episode, and I invite you to discover their latest publication called Uncovered, a breast recognition project created in collaboration with Rethinker and Changemaker Michelle O'Dwayne. As a Black woman living with breast cancer, Michelle saw a significant underrepresentation of Black women and women of color in a breast cancer community, and she felt the need to address it. Through the sharing of Black women's stories and humanizing images, Uncovered aims to educate all people, including healthcare providers, on the unique needs of Black, Indigenous, and people of color living with breast cancer, as well as on how they may be better supported throughout their experience. Visit RethinkBreastCancer.com and get your copy today. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners who can provide education, financing, mentorship, and community support. 
TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. Well, it has been amazing and you're celebrating 20 years, which seems <laughs> unbelievable, right? Um, <laughs> but, you know, here we are, two decades of, uh, of this important work. And um, I, I'm curious to know, you've talked about several shifts, you know, that, ha that have occurred since you, you launched Rethink in the first place. What, you know, what, what, does the, what does your mission look like today? And I'm curious to know, um, obviously, we're coming out of 18 months, or I guess it's more at this point of our, mm -hmm. you know, reality with a, a global pandemic that is COVID. And that's brought to light huge inequities in, you know, pretty much every area of society, including health. And um, I'm sure that is something you're you're keeping on your radar and trying to target. So curious to know what, you know, what changes are ahead and how do you ensure your mission stays relevant in today's reality? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. It's been so interesting because with the pandemic and being, you know, everyone working from home, I was back on that dining room table working longer <laughs> hours than ever. It was like you, um... you and the rest of the world, at least this time, it wasn't just, you know, because of your uh, your startup. Yeah, but it really brought back memories. And, you know, the past year for me, you know, I've actually led the organization through basically an organization transformation. And the pandemic really shed light on, as you just said, health inequities. And, um, you know, I think that coinciding with the amplification of social justice movements and rethink wanting to continue to be relevant to the world we live in, mm -hmm. um, there was just an opportunity to really ramp up our focus on health equity and, and you know, really see that breast cancer is a social justice issue. Um, so we've been really uh, focused on transforming the organization and, and implementing a sustainability model. And just, oh my gosh, I could do like three or four more sessions to talk to you about everything that's happened the last year. Um, but you know what, you know, the other shift is it, it's gone from being everything hip, cool, you know, doing great things, branding a cause to this isn't us, you know, it started with my personal story. And, and that's what led the start of Rethink Breast Cancer. But it's always been the community and the women that are in our community or the men that are in our community that create the evolutions and the movements. Because for 20 years, you know, we've been known as change makers, mm -hmm. educating, empowering, advocating for people that are concerned about um, affected by breast cancer. But we do that by creating spaces to connect and to listen and that those two key pieces like if like that's what keeps us relevant because if you take the time to bring people together and listen to them um, understand their needs and figure out okay how can we empower people how can we help move the needle forward how can we collaborate so it's that discovery by listening and then collaborating that's I think the best way we continue to move forward to address the needs of the community. We try to build, you know, bridges and put the community's voice at the center of our work. Mm -hmm. And when I started Rethink, it was never, it was never the MJ Dakota Breast Cancer Foundation. It was not, you know, I'm not, 
I'm a, I'm a friendly introvert. I, I'm not <laughs> someone I, I can get in front of a crowd and talk very passionately about Rethink. I love being in those kind of meetings. It's not my organization. It's it's the community's organization. And so that's been really important to me. And so I just love I just love listening and meeting people. And it's by bringing people together. That's the way we can drive our impact. And that's how we're going to do it in this post-COVID world where, you know, we've been impacted everyone, you know, organizations financially without fundraising. And you think about opportunities to partner and, you know, it's, we're not so much of like, oh, our goal is to be best in class on everything that we mm -hmm. do. It's like, where can we find, you know, we're open to collaboration and who would be the best partner? Where can we find opportunities where one plus one equals three, and we're actually coming together and it's in that really great way. So we've, done sort of a more intentional shift of, um, you know, being known as a marketing savvy organization to wanting to be known for driving impact and mm -hmm. making change to improve outcomes. And that's, that's really important to us. And, you know, post Black Lives Matter, um, I know you're going to be interviewing uh, Michelle, and, and she's a woman from our community mm -hmm. who's helped, uh, we've collaborated with her to bring an incredible idea she had uh, to light called Uncovered, a breast recognition project. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm really excited that that conversation is going to be continued. Um, but really, it's it's looking at breast cancer support and advocacy through lenses that are relevant today. And that, yeah. you know, what I see in our community is post-COVID, that, that intensity and interest in health equity, mm -hmm. interest in diversity, interest in sustainability. And so those are all going to be, I think, the future of Rethink Breast Cancer, those concepts and how can we how can we continue to help young people affected by breast cancer? Um, how can we put them at the center of making change that's going to have impact for everybody? That's our vision. And and that's a, a fantastic vision to have. And I, I want to ask you, I've asked a question to, you know, women who have roles as change makers and kind of leading, you know, organizations that are that are truly creating impact, whether it's, you know, addressing health or uh, other, other social justice causes. Um, it often seems like women naturally take on this role and naturally, you know, become the head. There's great organizations led by men as well, but I see a lot of women who are kind of stepping up and, you know, wanting to uh, make our world a, a better place, especially when it comes to a health awareness. And uh, I would add probably, um, you know, environment organizations as well. And I'm curious to know, and obviously you're, you'd be in the former category, but I'm curious to know if there are aspects of, you know, when you think of, of, of leadership abilities, for example, what are things that you think you can bring to this work as a leader in your role that stem from the fact that you are a woman? And obviously, in this case, there is a direct link between being a woman and your experience with women in your family having been diagnosed and, and unfortunately even uh, passed away because of breast cancer. But kind of coming back to leadership abilities, why do you think that puts you in the right spot? Sorry, there was there was a, I packed a lot in that question, but <laughs> <laughs> I was I was listening. I, I yeah, I relate to it. Um, I think it's a couple of things. I think you're, you know, I'm a woman, so I've been raised in a patriarchal society. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're you're aware of times where you felt either invisible in a room just because. Um, 
that's the way our world has worked mm -hmm. for women, you know? And so you bring that, you bring that experience. Um, you kind of, I think you internalize those things and you hold them in, in your head and, or in your, just in your psyche. And then um, as a woman, I, I just feel like, and I don't know if this is like described, I'm a friendly introvert, but I am more <laughs> of a, I'd like to listen. I like yeah. to meet people. I like to connect. Um, and I think the two of like knowing what, you know, women have endured from a equity perspective, mm -hmm. um, you know, grown, having been raised that way, um, and listening and connecting and figuring out like, wow, like change happens when you come together and when you have many voices pushing and asking for the same thing. I've, I've seen that work so well, mm -hmm. um, where it's like everyone brings their own perspective and where can you find the, the common uh, threads and how can you bring them all together and, and, you know, analyze the, the opportunity and really unite, um, as I said, many voices to, to ask for the same thing. And, mm -hmm. You know, I see that. I, I think women have a great ability um, to find those, like we're all about connecting. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't like yeah. to paint a big brush because everyone's different. But yeah. but there, I think there's, I, there's some shared patterns here for sure. Yeah, you connect and listen and, um, you know, then if we can merge that with smart strategic advocacy opportunities, I think that's how the change is going gonna, is gonna to come about. But it's always about listening for me, listening and then trying to identify what are the ways we can work together. Who's who's aligned on this? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's been kind of the the strength and the, the special sauce for Rethink is you identify this community that wasn't being serviced and then you built it, right? And it, it obviously resonated with this target audience and you've been going strong for 20 years, which is really impressive. Um, so I want to talk about some of the things that you are doing to highlight your your two decades. Um, so you've mentioned Uncovered, and and we will be uh, speaking with Michelle as well. Um, I think you have a pop-up coming up as well. And then there is a Turning the Page on Cancer taking place as we speak, too. Yeah, yes. Yeah, those are just a smattering of some of our things that are going on this October. So the pop-up at Stacked is our first time, um, you know, we've actually used Stacked the last couple of years to do a media preview of all of the companies um, that come together and, and support Rethink through, you know, donating a percentage of their products. Mm -hmm. And actually, I'll I'll just pause for our listeners who are not in Toronto who may not know what Stacked is. <laughs> um, so obviously an outdoor uh, space that uh, allows for various pop-ups and events to take place. Uh, and a great, you know, community um, where, you know, it's possible to put events together and bring in multiple partners and make it a really enjoyable experience for visitors, basically. But it is a physical space in Toronto. And it's made out of shipping containers, yes. which is strange, <laughs> but fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's great because brands can uh, test having a shop, like they can do a pop-up there. That's mm -hmm. that's what their whole um, approach is. And so we've decided we've done a pop-up in the past for just one day. So this year we're deciding let's go for it. Let's do, let's take out basically a pop-up space for an entire month mm -hmm. and for Breast Cancer Awareness Month and, you know, actually run a little store with all our products, which are also available through our partners 
um, nationwide online, but this is an opportunity where people want to come. If they want to come, they can look mm-hmm. at things in person and chat with us. Um, we are going to be doing some programming, uh, yoga in hopefully in the outdoor space that's just being finalized, but we are flipping, uh, halfway through the month, flipping the space into, um, an exhibit of our uncovered resource, yeah. which is the resource for black women with breast cancer and, um, well, actually black indigenous and people of color, mm-hmm. uh, this year we've expanded it. Um, so that's happening. And then we've got, you know, through the pandemic, we have ramped up. We, we were a digital first organization, um, I think starting in 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. So the adjustment to being at home and being online wasn't as huge for us as some other organizations because for us to be right. relevant to young women, we had to go digital yeah, because that's absolutely. where we were finding them on their phones. Yeah. And, but yeah. it's it's really fun that you're bringing an event back in person and that must feel really good after the it past does. period, it does. you know, hermit period that we've been forced to live in. It really does. That that's so true. Um, yeah. So we'll have uh, we'll have some stuff happening in person at Stacked, which is super fun. And then we will have our we call it the Rethink Real Talks. We're doing that with um, one of our oncologists. She's on our board actually, and talking about all the new treatments for breast cancer. We're going to be having one specifically focused. Well, it's actually in partnership with an organization, a black led organization called For the Breast of Us, mm-hmm. and so um, that's happening this month. We've got um, Turning the Page on Cancer. So I'd love to talk about that for a second. That is um, a community event. It's led by one of our metastatic breast cancer advocates. Um, She's a woman. Her name's Vesna, and she's on our metastatic advisory board. And she's just an incredible person. And she teamed up last year with um, another young metastatic patient named Samantha. And they... um, it's called Turning the Page on Cancer. It's basically a readathon with all kinds of fun things going on. Anyone can join and you just, you know, read as much as you can, as little as you can, collect funds, and everything goes to Rethink's Metastatic Breast Cancer Fund. Um, so specifically for programming and supports and research for uh, women with stage four incurable breast cancer. And so this has been a great ex- event. Last year, they raised $30,000 um, for Rethink. And sadly, Samantha passed away um, this past summer. So, oh no, uh, I'm so sorry. Terrible. I was just at the kickoff for the event yesterday, um, Carlton Place, just outside of Ottawa. I, you know, just wanted to be there. They were kicking it off with a little free little shared library in Samantha's honor. And, you know, her husband, her mom, her sister, you know, just they were there and, and Fesna's, you know, once again, throwing her energy behind raising these funds. And it was, you know, on a weekend where it was National Women's or National Daughters Day and International Daughters Day on the same, you know, kind of over the weekend. And I just thought like, my goodness, um, I want people to know that it's not just moms and grandmas, it's daughters that are being, you know, taken. So there's more work to be done. And, um, you know, I just am excited about this event. Everything's throwing a little bit more energy behind amplifying it uh, this year. So I'm really hoping people can check it out. It's called Turning the Page on Cancer. And they have their own Instagram channel and Rethink's sharing it a ton on, mm. on our own channels as well. That sounds amazing. And what are, you know, what's ahead for you and asking for Rethink, but also from a from a more personal standpoint, what's something that you're looking forward to implement or you know work on or uh, put out in the world in the in the next <laughs> coming year? Yeah, I think um, you know 
how we evolve, you know, we'll continue to serve and support, uh, you know, our young women with early breast cancer and our metastatic community. And we are really excited about showing that we're open to partnerships um, with other community organizations, in particular, um, you know, for addressing those health equity issues, um, Mm -hmm. diversity. And so we have been starting to form relationships with some leadership at you know, Women's College Hospital and, you know, partnering, you know, with Michelle, we, we've expanded Uncovered this year. And um, I think there's going to continue to be opportunity to, to grow that. And, and we're really excited about what the year is going to look like. I think it's going to be fun for us. We're actually launching a new logo and a little bit of a new look. And um, that's happening in the month too. And it's all speaking to this future of our sustainability model and just wanting to be, um, you know, be change makers, but in with new thoughts towards sustainability in Mm. mind. So that's, that's kind of what's keeping me excited. It's been quite a year just navigating the pandemic and navigating this shift in our organization. It's what keeps it interesting for me. It's like, I think that's why I'm here 20 years later, we've gone through these evolutions from awareness to you know, supporting patient needs to then collaborating with our community to our advocacy for the metastatic community. And every few years, you know, the digital, the digital uh, evolution was in there too. Every few years, it seems like there's, there's a new way that we have to continue to be relevant. The mission stays the same, but because the world changes so much, we need to change. And that's what I love. Um, about what I do. Mm, and you continue evolving with your community, basically, which must be, you know, really inspiring and kind of great fuel for where you're going next. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're all about being led by the needs of the community and responding. And that's, that's our job. Mm, mm-hmm. And I want to ask you my favorite question to ask everyone on the show. And that is, what do you wish women would do less of? Ooh, let's see. I think. Yeah, I just there's too many things that we could do less of. <laughs> it can but... be more than one. You can give me a few yeah, answers. I think it's like I, I always think of what we could do more of. Um, do less of, I guess, self criticism, holding yourself back. Um, I don't know. I've got a I've got a 17 year old, so I'm thinking of her and yeah, um, what I see in her and what I, you know don't be so hard on yourself. Like that's, she's got that, you know, perfectionism issue that she grapples with. Mm -hmm. And it's like, now at my age, it's like, none of that matters. Like (laughs) it's, it's, you know, easily easier said than done though, to, uh, to not be so hard on yourself. Um, Don't get in your own way. Um, I'm a classic overthinker. I don't know if that's common (laughs) with women, but I, I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> I'm equal parts. I said this. I have this on the Instagram. Equal parts overthinker and plunger inner. So uh, <laughs> that can create a real mess <laughs> right. in an organization. I plunge in and then I overthink it. Right. Um, yeah. So, anyways, that's not really talking about what women shouldn't do. Um, well, I think sharing yeah. that right with um, the, it, it can be kind of word of caution to your 17 year old daughter, for example because you know now you've learned you've learned from these mistakes and i think if we can help avoid some mistakes for the next generation that's you know that's the good kind of support absolutely yeah get outside that's my other you know yeah 
I feel like women have been doing double duty. A lot of women, um, I know so many young women that have been working full time from home with small children and, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I could go on and on. Cause <laughs> well, that was, that was a great list. And, yeah. you know, we started the interview by talking about what you the the, the little MJ was dreaming of doing later in life. And what what do you think she'd have to say if, you know, that the 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 younger you was was looking at you and all the amazing work you've you've done and, you know, the what you've built for the past two decades at Rethink? What what do you think she would say? I think she would say you are going to meet incredible people. You're going to meet like super smart, creative people that um, want to help get on board with something that's addressing an urgent need. You're going to meet um, incredible people in the community that that you'll get to work with and you're going to learn so much and you're going to keep keep learning and learning and learning. So um, just get started. Like that's advice I often give people now. Like I've, I take coffees with people who want to start nonprofits yeah. and I say, just, just get started. Like you have to be able to just start and, and you'll make mistakes and you'll, you'll be able to adjust and figure it out. But if you're always waiting for the moment to unveil your idea, um, yeah. a, you're, you're not giving an opportunity for the community to respond and help shape and, and evolve it, which is basically, I think the message here is that's been the key to rethink success mm-hmm. is collaborating. And it's, it's um it's fluid it's dynamic this is a movement it's not um it it, that's how i see our model it's an organization that's um changing and evolving always we're always all all about going forward forever forward is kind of our mantra for the month so Ah, you'll be seeing that message on our instagram as well that's a good one well, thank you so much, MJ, wishing you, uh, you know, great success with all of the activities this month and, and also, you know, celebrating your, your 20 years. Uh, looking forward to more conversations with you and your team. And uh, we'll link up, you know, all of your social media and websites so people know where to find you and get involved if they're interested. And I really appreciate you speaking with me today. I appreciate having a long form interview. This has been an absolute pleasure. I've loved talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks to our partners at Rethink Breast Cancer for their support of this episode of The Brand is Female. Tune in next week for another episode as part of this series. Rethink Breast Cancer is celebrating 20 years of fostering safe and inclusive spaces, always with a mission to empower, connect, educate, and rethink conversation around breast cancer, as well as offer support to those who are impacted. At Rethink, your voice matters the most. Please visit rethinkbreastcancer.com and find out more. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs, for the support of The Brand is Female. You got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in a week with a new guest. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Marketing and digital growth, Kayla Gillis. And partnerships, Natalie Hope. Yeah.